Welcome to Inside USF, the podcast, designed especially for faculty and staff across our three campuses. I'm Tom Wolf with University Communications and Marketing. Every other Friday, you'll meet colleagues who are making a positive difference through their commitment to our students and communities, to addressing society's most pressing issues, and to our shared principles of community. Like you, they are helping to make this America's fastest rising public university. Our original plan for this episode was to introduce you to Winnie Malamba, sustainability planner on USF St. Petersburg campus, and you will have a chance to meet her in a future episode. But we have made a last-minute change to take advantage of this opportunity to talk with USF President Stephen Correll. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Tom, for having me. I want to go back to your first message to the USF community on your first day in office, July 1st, 2019, you announced plans to form a Principles of Community Task Force. Why did you think it was important to do this? So um, we decided that we would launch this initiative very early in my presidency to uh, coalesce around principles of community for for two main reasons. One is to uh, reinforce the climate of inclusion, respect, Uh, freedom of expression, uh, support among faculty, staff, and students. And one way to do that is to have a conversation about what are principles that guide our behavior. What are uh, the guidelines that uh, determine how we deliberate, how we communicate with each other, uh, how we manage to use evidence in our decision-making, how we resolve conflict, Conflict is uh, not a bad thing, just needs to be managed, uh, especially in an environment like a great public research university like the University of South Florida, which is comprised of so many different people from different backgrounds and different fields, and uh, that's one of the wonderful things about USF. Uh, And we we thought it would be valuable for the community to have this uh, experience of uh, being on a journey to have a dialogue about how we wish to reinforce that culture and climate. <clears throat> so I had uh, been involved in, in previous institutions where we had created principles of community, and those had been very well received, so I thought we, we should do that at USF. And that's, that's what we did very early on. So the, the first primary reason for um, articulating principles of community was to reinforce a culture and climate of support and respect and inclusion. The second reason was to lay a foundation for strategic renewal deliberations. So we, uh, we, we, we began in, in, in 2019 uh, knowing that we needed to develop a new um, 10-year plan for a strategic plan for the university. And um, I knew that would be a a vigorous and rigorous process and would involve lots of different perspectives. And so I thought the principles of community would be um, a a bit of of organizational infrastructure for our deliberations. And 
would, would guide us as we debate the future of the university and we incorporate perspectives from all of our uh, community members, both inside the university and outside the university. And so uh, that was the second reason, was to lay the foundation for how to have <clears throat> productive, constructive, um, aspirational deliberations about the future of the university. As you say, the architecture. That's right. In the wake of George Floyd's murder and subsequent unrest locally and nationally last year, you took a number of steps related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. What do you consider to be among the most important initiatives and why? Well, our efforts to, to reach out to the black community, the Latinx community, um, have been uh, quite aggressive, even despite COVID, the challenges that COVID created in uh, making it more difficult for us to meet in person, but we, we didn't let that deter us. We continued with that, uh, that kind of outreach. And uh, I also was, was thrilled with the um, very, very thoughtful deliberations of a number of the underrepresented communities, uh, the black community, the Latinx community, the Asian community, and, and many others, in, in articulating their vision for the university and how they wanted to um, further advance the culture and climate of the university to reinforce diversity and inclusion. And, and I've been fascinated with the way that they've done that. And they self-organized a lot of those activities. Uh, for example, the Black Employee Steering Committee has uh, self-organized, and they've articulated a, a set of, of, of requests that uh, they think the university needs to focus on to reinforce diversity and inclusion. And I was just so amazed and and so pleased with the way that they have conducted themselves with professionalism and uh, thoughtfulness and, and, and really showing that it, it's really been a, um, uh, a process, a deliberation that was not de- um, required by the administration. It was really the faculty and the staff coming together and, and the students, but heavily led by faculty and staff, coming together on their own and coalescing around their own vision of diversity and inclusion in the university. And then those ideas were communicated to me. And, and I, I just really commend them and, and, and welcome them for their um, enthusiasm and their um, high aspirations and high standards for what, what the university should be doing in, in diversity and inclusion. And out of that process, I, I um, have had the pleasure of getting to know Professor Elizabeth Horge Freeman, and uh, she's been involved in, in working with the uh, black community and also the Latinx community, but, but mainly initially with the black community. And I've just been so impressed with Elizabeth. And for that reason, I decided to invite her to be a, uh, a senior advisor to the president and the provost on diversity and inclusion matters. And then when Dr. Haywood Brown transitioned uh, full-time over to USF Health, then uh, I appointed uh, Elizabeth in as the uh, interim vice president for institutional equity. And she is uh, absolutely brilliant. She's doing a terrific job in, in that role. She is connecting uh, more deeply with the internal university community and the external community, our external stakeholders, 
and she's just done a, a terrific job with that. So we're so fortunate to have Elizabeth uh, in that role and, and helping to take us forward. She was just a guest on the podcast, and I was so impressed with how thoughtful she is, her command of history. She's a West Tampa native. Right. Um, so she's seen a lot of growth, and she's seen many of the challenges. And uh, she was, it was, it was a great conversation. Well, she has her own scholarly interest in topics related to race and family. And uh, so um, not only does she have her own personal convictions about those topics, but she has a scholarly element to that. And she speaks Spanish and Portuguese, which helps uh, connect out to other communities and has done research in Brazil um, on race and families. And so uh, we're, we're just so lucky to have Elizabeth uh, as part of the team. Sticking with the uh, topic of equity and diversity and inclusion, how do you think the university should move forward in this regard? Uh, I'd like us to extend our dialogue um, beyond traditional definitions of diversity and inclusion. So diversity often refers to um, the, the composition of a university or a um, an organization or of a community, and and often that's discussed in terms of race, which is very important, or or gender, uh, also very important, of course. Um, but but the the composition of an institution is is diversity in the composition is a necessary but not sufficient condition for having an environment where, where people feel connected. And meaningful uh, relations among their their friends and colleagues, and uh, so inclusion is is one step beyond diversity. Inclusion uh, refers to the choices that people make about with whom to associate, either in the workplace or outside of the workplace, uh, in faith based institutions or in sports settings, uh, any kind of social institution. So. If it, the more and more we can uh, help faculty, staff, and students reach an understanding of diversity and an embrace of people with different backgrounds, then the more that they're the more they're going to, going to choose to to elect to connect with people from from diverse backgrounds. And so we have diversity, we have inclusion. And then um, there are other ideas even beyond that that I've been fascinated with over the last several years. And one of those is cultural intelligence. And the idea behind cultural intelligence as it relates to diversity and inclusion is that each one of us is, is made up of a, a, a tapestry of cultures that we each have. Some That's based on race. It's based on gender. It's, uh, it's also based on religion, on socioeconomic status, on politics, on language, um, and all of these factors. So each one of us is this collection of cultures that we come from. And so as, as our community becomes even more literate about uh, the diversity of cultures, all of those dimensions of, of the cultures that we occupy, then the better off, the better uh, we are to uh, be able to communicate to others, to uh, collaborate, to innovate, uh, to resolve conflict and so on, and so the the, the really the aspiration here is that uh, we work toward a an even deeper understanding and 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 a deeper level of cultural intelligence that encompasses all of those dimensions, uh, unique dimensions that comprise 
each one of us. And through that understanding, then we are uh, increasingly bonded to each other and we have meaningful connectivity across a very, very diverse institution like USF. Another key initiative that you referred to a few minutes ago has been the Strategic Renewal Plan. Where do you see that taking the university? Well, I'm pleased to have an opportunity to talk about strategic renewal and to, 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 to continue to articulate what it is that we've done and what is left to do. So the strategic renewal process was um, an attempt to build on the trajectory and the momentum that the university has. It was not necessary for us to start from scratch. Uh, we actually were informed uh, very well by uh, previous strategic planning documents the university has. And so what we wanted to do was to renew or refresh that vision and look, on, look toward a 10-year planning horizon. And that's what we've done, and that, that plan has been unanimously approved by the Board of Trustees. And uh, so we're very pleased about that. And it's also very important to understand, for the USF community to understand, that this is a vision document. It is articulating a, a direction for the university. It is not an operational plan. It is not a budget or financial resource allocation plan. The, uh, the, the implementation of the strategic renewal document then does involve operational issues. It does involve uh, financial resource allocation. And the strategic plan that we have is designed to inform those decisions, but not to make those decisions. And it's so important for everyone to understand that because the implementation and the resource allocation decisions must be made by uh, academic and administrative units in a way that is in alignment with the strategic vision, the strategic direction that we have. It is unwise for the central administration to, uh, to try to prescribe to a college or an administrative unit how exactly they should implement the ideas in the strategic plan. That is for the leadership of the colleges and the other academic units and the administrative units. It's up for them. It's up to them to think about how to translate the direction in the strategic plan to the implications for their particular unit. So it's very important that, uh, that, that the USF community understand what the purpose of that strategic planning document was and, and what, what it was not intended to do. And so it's got to be seen as a progression now, beginning with strategy formulation, and now that we have that plan, moving to strategy implementation. And that's where those decisions need to be made at the, at the unit level. None of us could have imagined the impact of COVID-19 on society, on higher education, and on our university. I'm curious what the last 16 months have been like in that regard for you. Well, it's, it's been uh, unprecedented, as, as is <laughs> the experience uh, of everyone, and it's, it's really been um, uh, deeply troubling. It has um, made it even more difficult for us to build community uh, at USF and in every university in the country and in every, in every institution around the world. And so that, uh, that those challenges resulting from COVID have, have required us to pivot to a greater reliance on digital technologies. And I think University of South Florida has done a terrific job of that, in part because 
uh, Sidney Fernandez and our uh, others in the our information technology unit had made investments in infrastructure that allowed us to pivot 5,200 courses from in-person instruction to online instruction in the matter of, uh, of about two weeks. So that was an amazing Herculean effort by everyone uh, uh, and, and, and built and used the, the IT infrastructure that we had. And the faculty did just amazing things in, in transitioning that quickly uh, to online uh, instruction. So the faculty deserve a lot of credit. And our students have been flexible and uh, adaptive as well. So, it, 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 you know, we're a large institution. So it's, it's not easy to be, be nimble. But, in fact, we have been nimble in part because we have the, uh, we've had the infrastructure and in large part because there's been um, an embrace of the risk mitigation measures that we've, we've put in place. And uh, that we, 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 we are deeply grateful to our faculty, staff, and students for doing that. And in, in, in many other universities, students struggled with this more than our USF students. Our USF students were even more uh, unselfish, responsible, and committed to protecting themselves and other students than, than those students at many other universities. And that's why we have a relatively low case count or percentage, percentage in the USF uh, community relative to other institutions. So many other large public universities in the state university system have had far larger numbers of COVID cases and they, we've just done a better job of managing and, and, and complying with our risk mitigation procedures. And so we're really proud of, of what the university has done in COVID. We're also incredibly fortunate to have a robust health enterprise and real, being able to rely on their expertise. What do you think the lessons are from the pandemic? Well, it, it, it's, it's very interesting to reflect back on the decisions we made and how we made them and how we uh, managed to um, minimize the, the impact of COVID. And so um, one of the, you just mentioned a moment ago, Tom, one of the great strengths that we have is our, our, our faculty, our research faculty, our clinical faculty, and they have, um, they have informed us. We, we made an early um, commitment to being evidence-based in our, our decision-making, and um, we've been uh, rock-solid on that the entire way, and we're still committed to being evidence-based. And so we've, we've had a huge team of um, uh, scientific and, and medical experts who have helped us, and as, as most of the USF community knows, I appointed uh, Dean Donna Peterson of the College of Public Health as the chair of the COVID-19 task force. And of course, uh, Donna has done a terrific job in, in that role and has coordinated a vast uh, network of, of faculty and staff and students to, to manage uh, COVID and make, make good decisions uh, about, about how we mitigate the risks. And so I, I think uh, Donna's leadership, uh, the leadership of Dr. Tom Unash, the leadership of, of Dr. Uh, Edwin Michael, uh, their, their scientific work on modeling diseases has been incredibly 
valuable to us, and, and we, we have a data dashboard and, and that, that was updated on a daily basis. So I had um, terrific information to uh, help guide our decision-making. And uh, so we had infrastructure there as well. We developed the infrastructure to track COVID and see where the risks are in developments. And so that's been incredibly valuable to us. And the other, just the last point on this, one of the other fascinating uh, lessons that we've learned from COVID is about the timing of decisions. And in particular, avoiding making premature decisions. So there's been a number of, of junctures in our COVID journey where uh, we were gathering information and um, uh, observing trends and we needed to make a decision. We needed to make a decision about risk mitigation or, or classroom instruction and so on. And in and, and a number of cases, we were able to uh, uh, wait a short period and not make premature decisions. And an extra week or two or three has actually helped us be even more sophisticated in our understanding of the data and the trends. And, and as a result of that extra data we had, we actually made a number of very good decisions that were better decisions that we would have made, you know, one or two or three weeks pro- previous to that. So that's one of the interesting lessons learned about decision-making in a crisis situation is when do you make a, need to make a decision and at what point can you get the optimal amount of data prior to having to make that decision. And we never have complete information. So we always have to make decision ma- decisions under uncertainty. But that was an interesting lesson that I think we've learned and has, has uh, uh, helped us, has served us very well in, in COVID, is being very clear about when we need to make decisions. Let me shift gears a little bit. You and your wife, Cheyenne, have been living on the Tampa campus. What's that been like for you? Well, we never leave campus. <laughs> we we live here, and and we um, we love to live in in Lifsey House, and and it it it's been great. It, we 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 love the setting, um, and we love being on campus. And and we're in addition to living there, we're often out on campus a lot. So we we walk the dog on campus, and and my wife takes a lot of walks on campus, and we enjoy the the beauty of the campus. And so um, it, it, it's really been, it's been great. Uh, I can't imagine uh, not living on campus. Uh, the faculty and staff and students have responded very favorably to our decision to live on campus. It, it shows a commitment and it shows our willingness and, and um, um, commitment to being embedded in the university community. So. We made that commitment very early on, and and we think that that was wise, and we've we've really enjoyed it. And of course, I've I've spent a lot of time um, on uh, Teams calls, on video calls from from the house, from the office in the house, and I do also go into my office occasionally in Patel, in the Patel building. But um, we've we've just uh, mainly been anchored. Uh, in the house, and that's been an extra advantage to being on campus because then staying home, we're already on campus and allows us to be close to uh, any other activity going on. So uh, we've, we've really enjoyed it. What are you most proud of as president and why? Well, I'm so proud of, of what the university has accomplished over the past two years. And there have been, as we all know, a lot of challenging topics. 
And um, I'll just mention uh, a few of those. One of the challenges from uh, COVID, one of the uh, implications of COVID was that early on there, the state of Florida was seeing substantial fluctuations in uh, state revenues, tax revenues. And so there was a great deal of consternation about what the state budget would be and what that would mean for higher education. So uh, that created a lot of uncertainty for those of us in the administration and our faculty and and staff and and students. And so um, one of the things that I'm truly most proud of has been a dialogue that we began more intensively uh, back in January of this year with the Faculty Senate. So uh, Tim Boas is the president of the Faculty Senate, and Tim appointed a an ad hoc committee to uh, engage with the administration around budget issues. And we have met on a weekly basis since January and had a, a, a very vigorous uh, dialogue with the faculty about a, a lot of very tough decision-making about uh, financial resources and uh, challenges that the university has. But but what I've been so proud of is the professionalism, the tone, the uh, commitment to evidence, the um, spirit of shared decision-making that the Faculty Senate has brought to those deliberations. And um, I just met with them this, this past Friday and I, I, I think that, that we have evolved a dialogue that, that may be uh, at a deeper level than has been the case in the past. And it, it has, been an, has allowed us to um, explore issues in more detail and ensure that faculty voice is heard and um, faculty voice actually influences decision-making by the administration. I can, I, and I can assure you that we have indeed been influenced by their input. So that has all been done in a spirit of partnership and collaboration, uh, in this spirit of shared decision-making. And, and it, it's not easy. It hasn't been easy. But I, I think this is one of the things that I'm most proud of is the, um, uh, the quality of that dialogue and, and really just reinforce the principles of community in the sense that uh, the Faculty Senate has conducted themselves, and hopefully hopefully the administration has as well, in a manner that's consistent with the principles of community. And uh, so that, that, has been a, that is a very precious um, uh, asset that we've developed and, and impacts the culture of the university. And I, I very much hope that that continues in the future because it's so valuable for uh, us to have as we contemplate the long-term success of the academic mission of the university. Board of Trustees Chair Will Weatherford has recommended Rhea Law as the interim president of the university. I wonder what your thoughts might be about that recommendation. Well, I think this was a a brilliant choice for an interim president. Uh, Rhea is um, respected, trusted, has extraordinary credibility uh, across the Tampa Bay community. She's been in a number of leadership positions, and uh, she, she, is, uh, she is someone that is, is trusted by pretty much everybody I know. And I, I think it's a great choice. She and I have become uh, friends. She's been a great resource for me 
during uh, my presidency. We have spent time together uh, socially and, and professionally, and I just think the world of her and think it's, it's, it's a great uh, choice. And she and I have spoken numerous times over the last several days. And uh, she also, of course, has a long history with the university, serving as a, 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 the first woman a board of trustees chair in the history of the university. She has served on many, many committees. She actually was an employee of the university in uh, sponsored research way back when, when she finished her undergraduate degree at the University of South Florida. So uh, I, I, just, I just think the world of her and um, uh, I just really appreciate her. And she was involved in, in my search and in selecting me. So we, uh, we, we go back even before the day I, I began at the University of South Florida. So I think she's a great choice, and I'm going to be available to her in any way that might be helpful to her. How do you hope your presidency is remembered by the USF community? Well, there's, there's um, so much that we've done to align the university in a way um, to, to, again, going back to this architecture analogy, to, to, to strengthen the pillars of the university, the research, the student success pillars, the outreach to the community, our role in uh, the Tampa Bay region. And, and I think what, what we've tried to do uh, over the last two years is to bring all of that into greater alignment. I, I, I like to refer to it as strategic coherence. So what we, we have is, is a vision. We have an articulated vision in the strategic renewal plan. And now we're trying to align our organizational structures, our leadership teams, our financial budget model in a way that is reinforcing that, that strategic vision and plan and, and how we can uh, uh, all work in, in concert in a way that uh, takes us forward toward that strategic plan and our lofty aspirations. You are retiring from the presidency but you will remain part of the university. What are your plans? Well, my plans are to uh, go back onto a faculty role in the Moomaw College of Business. So I've actually been a business school professor for about 30 years, uh, 31 years, uh, actually, as of this year. And so when I joined USF, um, in addition to my appointment as president, I was given a tenured full professor position in Moomaw and uh, so uh, I've always thought that if I were to step down, that I would go back onto that, into that role. And it's a role that originally brought me to higher education because of my passion for research and teaching and, and public service. And so I have some ideas for uh, books that I might be writing, and I'm eager to talk to Dean Lamayam in, uh, in the Moomaw College about how I might help uh, in terms of instruction and the Moomaw College. So after a uh, professional development leave for a little while to help me retool myself, uh, I'm looking forward to being back in the classroom and writing and, and helping contribute to the, to the university in, in any way that uh, might be helpful. Any other thoughts you wish to share with our listeners? Uh, Tom, just, just the, to reinforce uh, thoughts I've shared with the community many times, and that is that uh, USF is truly unique as a university because it has a twin commitment to both academic excellence and opportunity, economic opportunity for our students. And I think that convergence is something that's really uh, 
unique uh, at the University of South Florida. There are many universities that excel at academic excellence. There are many universities that excel at economic opportunity and access to higher education, but we do both, and I think that that's what's really fascinating about the University of South Florida. And uh, and I also am just would just reinforce um, other comments I've made about the courageous nature of the USF community. And we are not afraid to have high aspirations and to go after those aspirations. And that's been one of the most inspiring elements of this community for me is that extraordinary uh, courage and ambition that this university community has. I'm confident our community joins me in wishing you all the best in your next chapter. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Thanks to all of you for listening. We welcome your ideas for future episodes. Please visit MyUSF or directly at usf.edu slash InsideUSF to share your suggestions. Special thanks to our production team at WUSF Public Media. Our theme music, a song called Black Bucket Stomp, is courtesy of Jack Wilkins, Director of Jazz Studies in our School of Music and comes from his CD, The Blue and Green Project, on Summit Records. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on MyUSF or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Copyright 2021, the University of South Florida.